I brought it back, a friend of the show. We're going to talk books. We're going to talk Star Trek and books. We're going to talk books, pitches, all kinds of stuff here on Breaking Into You next. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Breaking Into Oh, you guys know this this theme song. <laughs> if anybody of any age knows this, they knows has heard a, a variation of this theme. <sighs> Man, that's gold. I feel so like I should be in space right now. I I I I gotta tell you, this actually might affect me more than a national oh, anthem. Oh, I like that. That's pretty cool. Oh, Hello, welcome to Breaking Into Here on Black Hollywood Live. <laughs> I am your host, James Law Jr. I'm making my guests get teary eyed. Um, it's just crazy. <laughs> it is my second anniversary at AfterBuzz Media, hey. and so thank you today. So I'm like been celebrating all evening on my shows. It's kind of fun, but I'm lucky to be on this network too. I'm so glad to do this show. Thank you to Daniel Christian and everybody. At Involved with Black Hollywood Live. Love doing the show. I love this Star Trek. I love this. It. so funny. Uh, my guest today, I've had him on before, and he's really great. And we're going to have him on. He's going to be just coming on all the time. We're whenever, talking stuff, whenever, whatever. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. Let's go to say his name, Jeffrey Thorne. Hello. Hello. He's a man of all trades. No. See, got a little claps. <laughs> wow. How did you squeeze all those people? in I here? know. Like down, down. Down, <laughs> down. Um, you can follow us, of course, on uh, Black Hollywood Live. You can follow us on YouTube under Breaking Into. I'm Breaking Into Facebook page. Go ahead and like that there. And of course, I'm James Lott Jr. on social media, and you are Jeffrey Thorne on social media, or Jeff Thorne uh, on social media. I'm Game of Thorns on Game Twitter. Thorns. That's and right. Everything else, you can just find it. You can find it. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm great. You yeah. got me out of the house. I was. Uh, I did on Sunday. I'm deadlining, so as soon as I get here, I'm going back home. I got to turn in comic book scripts. I got to. Wow. I got a double top secret project that I cannot Ooh. talk about, but Ugh. it's causing a great no deal of work. listening. It's just me yeah. and you. No. Yes. I, <laughs> I, got, I, I got NDAs and there's people following oh, me. Dang, you got people following me. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what, when I'm able to talk about it, I will come talk come to in. you. Come here. We'll do it here. He also did the Mosaic series Yay! in Marvel. And my brother's been telling me and talking about it the whole time. And actually, I've had people, when I when they posted the last time you were on, were giving me feedback. I'm like, give the feedback to him. Let him know what's going on. <laughs> I don't Just know. Let him know what's going on. And tell people to buy the book. More buy people. It. Buy it. Buy it. It's buy it. ongoing. It's not buy over it. yet. No, it's not over yet. So buy it. Um, but I want to, I, what I want to talk to you, we're gonna, it's a little Star Trek thing. But first, I want to, the first subject I want to talk about is traditional publishing versus self-publishing because okay like like here we're, we're self-producing we're selling a lot of self is out there and there's been you know when it first started there's a lot of stigmas of course it's it's less than and there's idiots getting through and there's no grammar check or whatever but i mean of course things are different now but what are your like general feelings because you've done both i do both i, I yes. still do both um when I can write prose, I do. I'd like to keep my hand in and make sure I can still do it. Okay. Uh, so probably every year I'll do something that's technically traditionally published, which means uh, either an editor who knows me will say, hey, do you want to do something in this? Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. Just one thing. Um, or uh, I will find a magazine or an anthology that looks like something I might want to participate oh, in. Okay. And I'll be like, either I have a story I've written. And I'll I'll uh, I'll just send it in the normal way. Oh wow! Or uh, I will read what their things are and look at what the uh, what their guidelines are, and then I'll look at what the time frame is between me discovering it and can I get a story that's decent okay. written in the time available. And I have friends who've written whole novels, excellent ones, in like three weeks. Oh my god! Well, because they be suddenly became under deadline, or we'll get to that when we talk about yeah. media tie and stuff. But um, traditional publishing is. <sighs> See, I, it's weird because in the old days, how traditional, how traditional, if you go back to the beginning, everybody was self-published. Yeah, right, 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 right. So right. Um, I think Byron self-published his, his oh, works. Right. And, like, you can still find these beautiful handmade things. Like, oh, yeah. What publishing company? Nobody. It was him and his boys. <laughs> yes. It was just yes. him and his friends. Yeah. But um, I think, obviously, computers, uh, the technology boom, that's sort of the trickle down of things that, like, used to cost a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, anyone could anyone who had the time and the interest could really dig into it. And you got a lot of people like, I want to be a writer. I want to make animation. I want to do special effects. I, I want to do any of the things that I've seen in the movies or read in a book or whatever. And now you can just get the tool. And a lot of the stuff now is just free. Like Yeah, that's true. There's, there's a thing called GIMP, which is basically yes. Photoshop. People can just go get it off the web, and it's basically Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a software package, a CGI software package called Blender, competitive with any movie you've ever seen. Wow. Free. Wow. I'm like, I don't know what these people are doing. <laughs> God love you. You know, go go crazy. But yeah. with books, um, yeah, you had a huge influx of people once you had ebooks. Yes. Right? There was always the technology to self-publish, but they call it vanity presses because basically mm-hmm. you pay someone to make your book. There's no editorial oversight. 
Um, and most of those books can't swear, right? If you have what comes out, let it come out. All right. Well, most of those books are shitty. But yeah. frankly, most books are shitty, published or not right. published. Well, I would say you also say yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. Trouble, tra- traditionally, book published books are mostly shitty, and indie books are mostly shitty because most of the people who think they can write can't do it. Right. Uh, they're either lazy or their editor is really crappy or mm-hmm. a combination of the two, or they just don't have whatever it is that makes you. A I'm glad you said that because I want people to know that just because it's traditionally published does not make it good. They get better than somebody who self published. Absolutely never. I think, and I say this all the time in these little seminars. 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 Uh, seminars. There's a reason I quit acting. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, we, yeah. my, my friend Brandon Easton throws these little seminars, and my friend. Uh, Paul Gale, also, he and I, not together, not the three of us together, but do these sort of, the no bullshit seminar. Like, all mm-hmm. these people are going to tell you X, we're professionals, that's horseshit. Yeah. Right? Right, right. Um, and frankly, we just don't have enough time to do it, like, you want to do it every week. And yeah. have a new audience yeah. every week to just disabuse people of all these <laughs> yeah. silly notions. But, on the other side, there's a lot of people with get up and go that would have never got up and gone without this technology trickle down. And you saw... A huge influx of storytelling. Um, at first, it was poo-pooed because the traditional big six and the, and the, and the lesser, not lesser in terms of quality, but right, lesser but in terms of stature, I yeah. guess, or outreach, or whatever. The, yeah. the scope of mean. their yeah. the scope of their audience. Pardon me. The scope of their audience is smaller. Um, they made it. They wanted it to be bad. They wanted to break it early. Mm-hmm. They wanted it to be sucky early. Mm-hmm. They wanted everyone to think, "Oh, please, really? Clearly, you couldn't get a real job. You had yeah, to do right. this yourself." Right. And I'm here to tell you, um, there's a stack of people who the guy who wrote The Martian, self-published, on the web. Wow. Wow. That movie, The Martian, you all saw, was yeah. a book, and he published it in increments, like as a basically what's called an epistolary. Uh, novel of the equivalent thereof mm-hmm. about this guy who gets trapped on Mars and he did all his research with real scientists and all this other stuff. So when you're reading it, you're like, holy crap, this is this feels real. And then you look it up and you're like, it is kind of real, you yeah. know. Yeah. And by the way, a good writer. It's not a technical manual. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an adventure. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody discovered it and then it was also traditionally published and then yeah. someone discovered that and it was also made into a movie. Mm-hmm. He was a pro before anyone yeah. found him. He's a pro before anyone paid him. Right, mm-hmm. professionalism is an attitude. It's not a paycheck. I like that. Great, the um, great soundbite. It's true. I think you know. To me, I liken it to um, people who actually put their own records together. Yep, same exact same thing. thing. There are same good people. There are great. Trust me, there are great acts out there who don't get regular major play. They're yep. not the Grammys right now. Right, that put out good music on their own. That's correct. And and I think the music industry's model. Um, because it happened first with, um, what was that thing called, Napster, and yes. the death of the album because people would just re- release mm-hmm. singles. But all of a sudden, a band that was in a basement in Portland mm-hmm. can be the biggest thing in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it just took a little while for the, the, that ver- the literary version of that to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've all seen, the quality has nothing to do with who's telling you to like it. But do we think because it's literary... The bougie aspect comes in well, versus music. You know what? Is that I kind write, of you think it is? It's kind of like this. I write genre material primarily, and, and I read a Stephen King quote where someone had asked him, how come you write all this horror and people getting their heads ripped off? After you wrote the beautiful Shawshank Redemption, why would you ever go back to writing you know, Monsters Under the Bed or whatever? And his thing was, what makes you think I have the choice? Like, Interesting. I write the stories that occur to me. So in my particular case, uh, okay, yeah. right. I mean, I can write for other people. That's my, right. my day job, I guess. Right. But the stories I make up myself, it's not like I'm sitting there going, you know, oh, what's the trend? Well, everyone likes Twilight. Let me put some vampires mm-hmm. together. And there's mm-hmm. a cute girl with, a, oh, and you've got to be a mean vampire and a nice vampire. And she's got to mm-hmm. choose between them. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, there are people who that just occurs to them. They don't have to think about no. it. I, I, wouldn't write, I wouldn't be writing that, not because I don't like it. Right. It just doesn't occur to me. So your question about whether it's literary, whether it's real and all, you know, bite me. Um, One of the best writers I've ever read is a guy called James Lee Burke who writes, he has written, I think, 13 or 14 novels about a ex-Vietnam, a Vietnam vet who's a New Orleans policeman and then everything goes bad and he starts solving these crimes. And and if you just look at the plot, you'd think, oh, just one more story about a guy solving the murders and whatever. And then you read it and it's like, he might be the best living writer. Wow. Like, you're reading this stuff going, holy crap. Yeah. But the intelligentsia yeah. will be like, oh, he writes detective novels. Over. <sighs> you know? And my feeling is this, and this is for anyone listening or watching or whatever. Charles Dickens, who everyone considers a classical writer, he was writing for a living. Okay? He was a working writer, commercial writer. Mm. He was not an artist, capital A. <laughs> he was a commercial artist, capital C. 
yeah. which doesn't change the quality of his work. Not clearly. all. Clearly, William Shakespeare, clearly. the same thing. We all are taught, like you guys are taught in the school, like you're reading the freaking Bible. Yeah. This guy was a working playwright, competing with mm-hmm. other playwrights and arguing with actors and screaming at his producers. And mm-hmm. if you think about him like that, and his competitors were also not crappy, right? Uh, Christopher Marlowe, one hell of a writer, oh, yeah, yeah. but a working writer, yeah. right? And it's very similar in some ways to what goes on now. Most of my friends are writers. Almost all of them are really good, and the ones that aren't really good are good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's always going to be someone who sits in, a, mainly they sit in colleges, or they work for some big newspaper or something, and they're going to tell you, oh, you're not good enough, or the thing that you do is not valuable, or... Um, you know, oh, well, that's just this, and who mm-hmm. cares what the actual meat of it is? It's not Dracula, by the way, is a classic. If you read it, it's a beautifully written epistolary mm-hmm. novel. It's not like nothing against the movies, but right, it's not right, like right, that, right? Right, and it's lasted this long not because of the vampire part, but because right. it's freaking beautifully written, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think all of that is to create these sort of status hierarchies like we have in a celebrity culture that we mm-hmm. live in uh, to make people feel like they're less than. I agree with that. I think, and my thing is, because, I mean, you tell me, I mean, how many publishing houses are there really, really, I mean, like major ones now? There are four, five, six, six they're or called six. The big six. Big six, okay, there's six left. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I know, I know everything's been trickle, it's been slowing down, and small, everything's smalling down. So, mm-hmm. I was always wondering, like, how many are really left besides all the ones that are. Well, the outlets have gotten destroyed. Um, okay. Amazon destroyed them. Um, there used to be this company called Borders. Oh, uh, Borders. I loved Borders. But you know what happened? They literally made a left turn when they should have made a right turn in terms of how to distribute books. Yeah. They refused to go into the online part, and it killed them. Whereas Barnes & Noble is still kicking. They still are. They right? are. You're right. So, you know, so in terms of who's, who, what, what forms a better writer, all that matters is the story. Mm-hmm. Right? How well do you tell it, and how many people love it? Yeah. Um, I'm not a snob, and I have my, you know I am a snob. I'm a snob against snobs. I, I, I just mm-hmm. can't stand it. Um, it's like it doesn't matter where it comes from. Yeah. Any any medium for me, it's like, if it's good, it's good. Yeah. Uh, I used to get in arguments back in the old days of the web with with the snobby types, and I was like, really? All right, let's have a third party mm-hmm. tell us to write a short story in a period of time in a particular style, any style you choose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's like gunslingers. It. Like gun right? right. He can it's do like, it. Let's step out into the middle of the street and we'll see who's the sharpshooter yeah. and who's the fast shooter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and there's always a lot of, oh, oh, well, you know, really, I mean, you know, right. Right. Why, why does it have to be so aggressive and so yes. so gladiatorial? And, and I'm like, because you talk a lot of shit and you make a lot of people feel bad. Mm-hmm. And there's a writer out there who's better than both of us who you might have destroyed. Because their ego isn't like mine, which is made out of steel. Yeah. Children's egos aren't like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't try. That's because snobs say stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think more writers jumped into the pool. There's a mm-hmm. young lady called uh, Amanda Hawking. Okay. Uh, she wrote a book, a series of books called The Hollows, which I have not read. Mm-hmm. I think I read a, a couple of chapters of one of them to see if she was all of that. And she's mm-hmm. a good writer. Um, she blew up. She blew up the way musicians used to blow up. Mm-hmm. Like a local musician would be huge, and then a record company would discover them. This happened very much with rap. Mm-hmm. Um, where they discover, let's say, Too Short, mm-hmm. right? He's a Bay Area rapper, I think, yep. an Oakland rapper. Yep, yes. And he would hit up every year by record companies because he was pulling in crowds, he was making bank, mm-hmm. and he was like, yeah, well, what's in it for me? I control my business, I'm making a stack mm-hmm. of money, I'm a millionaire, I'm mm-hmm. not even 23, you know? You better tell me something good because right. right now I don't need international anything. No. I'm good in the Bay Area, baby. Right, right. And it was the first time record companies really had to deal with that phenomenon. In the same way, and I think the um, I think the book industry sort of tried to get around that in a way, but it can't because once the once the means of production are in the hands of the people, the people will produce. Well, you, you have a good point too of just of. So this is always how it's been done. Yeah. So people, you, know, you hear that in everything. No. This is always how it's been done. Lies. So it's always been done. Lies. So it's always been done. So like you don't make any. So you don't make any changes, or you're not open to change because it's how it's always been done. Mm-hmm. So why would we do? It's like, but you're not seeing that. Yes, there are things coming up, and there are things happening that you need to pay attention to, and maybe find a way it to work for you. It may not work the same way for everyone. It may find a way to fold it into what you're doing so that you can survive. You said you can't survive on being static. You can't well, just yeah, like. Well, yeah, but look, it's a situation you guys have here this could all be a bunch of people in their own houses in their mm-hmm. living rooms with you know a couple of laptops yep. and all that so someone on the more sort of traditional side went wait a minute mm-hmm. let's provide services 
Let's provide essentially a network, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And let these people who love the thing that they're doing, let them have it in a mm-hmm. facility where people like me will be like, well, maybe he's great, but I don't know if I want to go to his house and sit in his basement and talk about mm-hmm. comics with him. This is a much more official seeming that I can mm-hmm. justify to my wife. Yes. Why are you leaving <laughs> on a Sunday night? Well, it's official, baby. You yes. can see that. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. no, um, I get what you mean. Yeah, I get you you mean, know what yeah. I mean? And I think that that's the sort of synergy between the impulse to make things, mm-hmm. to create, and the impulse to make money off of the people who like to make things. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and this is, seems entirely benign. The workspace here mm-hmm. is everyone's smiling at each mm-hmm. other. They're mm-hmm. very intent on each one of their individual little things. Mm-hmm. Who I don't. I try not to step on other people's fandoms because mm-hmm. just because I don't love it doesn't mean I actively hate it. It's yeah. just it just didn't ping me. Whereas there's a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff that pings me that people are like, "You like that?" I'm like, "Why are you being hostile?" You don't have to like it. I'm not John the Baptist over here trying to get you to convert. I just happen to like this. Yes. You know? Yeah. And that's the vibe that I, I see when I come here. I wouldn't yeah. have come back otherwise. Yeah. Right? Well, I think I'm glad. Just, I'm glad you, you know, came back. It's uh, just it's interesting. I just, I, like I said, you do so much. And you do both sides of the traditional and self-publishing. That, that's the thing that I want to do. I have, I have a book deal. I'm actually I'm doing traditional publishing. Mm-hmm. But I also self-publish things you my own, do too. Both. I'm going to do both. I always tell younger writers, you don't have the option of not doing both. Mm-hmm. Uh, working traditionally... They have an infrastructure built in. They have people who will design your book covers and stuff for you, which if you don't really know how to design, do not design your own book covers because you suck. (laughs) Whoever you are, you suck. Uh, Yes. Okay? Yes. If you're not a professional illustrator, professional designer, or have that skill set that Mm -hmm. high, don't be an idiot. Find someone who really can do it Mm -hmm. and do that. Um, But, yeah, so traditional is good because it gets your name out across a wide space in a short period. They have muscle and they have infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Independent is good because... And this has happened to me from time to time. You'll take enough jobs where you're just doing stuff and you're working all the time and people mm-hmm. are patting you on the back or whatever. Yeah. But it's not really yours, mm. right? There's a collaborative aspect that is, even in traditional publishing with your own book, you have an editor. And an editor's going to be like, look, you need to cut what a, a good editor's uh, going to help yeah. you cut it yeah. down to the right size. Yeah. But enough of that, it becomes like you almost don't want to write without that voice. And you need to because you're the oil. They're just drilling. Right, makes sense. You are the oil. You're the rig. You're the property. Mm-hmm. You're the guy who found the oil. All they are is carting mm-hmm. the oil out in the right, the right size containers. Makes sense. Okay. Right? okay. So it's a good idea to make your own stuff mm-hmm. um, without editorial oversight and Got put it. it out. I do short subjects. I don't do. I don't have. Literally, don't have the time to muscle into a novel right okay. now. Mm-hmm. So I'll do a novella or two a year. Sometimes with a traditional publisher. Sometimes myself or both if I can squeeze them both in, mm-hmm. just to make sure I can still write in that way. Mm. But also because there's a community of people who make stuff uh, that they're up front. They're mostly in their 20s, in their early 30s. I'm not in my 20s or early 30s. I'm perfectly happy using the equipment I've got, blah, blah, blah. And there's some new thing that might come out and I would not know about if I wasn't in the mix. Mm. Right? And these people are eating the traditional side from the bottom up. Okay. Right? That's a whole other show. Yes, yes. But there's there's not an opposition. It's not na- it's not it's not natural for them to be in opposition. What okay. they should be considering, the big six should be looking at the independent market as the farm team. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I right. like that. Okay, like baseball and also or, or like those rappers or those rock and rollers yeah. who are regional and like held it down, mm-hmm. living in mansions, mm-hmm. big giant yeah. fan base yeah, yeah, can yeah. guarantee yeah. they can pack. Mm-hmm. But you want to take them wide, you better make it worth their while. It's exactly the same model. It just never used to be that way for writers. I like that. It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. Makes and if, sense. if there was a way to make make competitive small budget movies in your locality where you mm-hmm. somehow could get them distributed or I don't know, yeah. perhaps there was a device that one could oh, use. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that if there was something that linked it only to your region and you could make movies, it costs the physical cost of making movies roughly the cost of a, a certain kind of movie is roughly the cost of a, a summer baseball league. Yeah, okay. So if you can get people together to make your little mm-hmm. movie yeah, locally yeah. and keep putting it out and make it happy for your town, mm-hmm. at some point there's going to be enough money in it that someone else is going to be like, what are y'all doing over there in Cleveland? Mm-hmm. What is this thing that you're doing in Cleveland? Mm-hmm. Come do that in Hollywood. Because mm-hmm. we would like to make a lot more money. You know. Well, it's funny because I, I interview a lot of people who do web series. Right. And so and they're doing them on their, their, their iPhones. Yeah. Um, and now, but now, like, two, one girl that I just, her series, the Laura Show, she's now on Amazon. Amazon picked them up. So, I mean, like, seriously, it's like, it can happen. Like, she's been it's, for years. Look, and There's a lightning bolt aspect, and I don't want people to chase that because really right. you have to take the long way around like yes. all of the rest of us did. Mm-hmm. 
it's mostly the hard way around. Yes. If you get the lightning strike, it's both lucky and unlucky. Because mm -hmm. if you're too young to handle it, you will be burnt out. The industry will chew you up. Yep. Either you'll be rich and famous for the rest of your life, and that's great, but you'll be a wreck inside because the industry will chew you up that way. Or you only have a moment of fame, you'll get a little bit of stuff yeah. out of it, and the industry will chew you up the other way, and you'll just disappear and have to start all over again. Yeah. Right? So my feeling is assume the long route. Yeah. And then if something lucky happens, hope you got friends around you that don't lose their minds too. Oh, right. Right. right? And keep your head small and just yeah. keep going in the direction you plan to go. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, but like yeah. That. Um, uh, just like, I'm just saying it can happen. Just saying it just, but like she like said, she didn't expect it to happen. She was just moving around along in her own little and world. All of a sudden, and same thing that's happened to Issa Rae. I mean, uh, yeah, well, she's just making her own thing, and people right. lost their minds about it. And what they realized was, it's like anything. If you go on the web and you see somebody on YouTube's a good example. If you yes. see somebody with five million followers, you look. What's going what on What is there? this person doing yeah. to guarantee them five million dollars? Right. And it, five million followers. And if somebody out here is like, well, I like, don't know if I can. Maybe I can advertise, right? And then mm -hmm. they'll get advertisers, and maybe that jacks up mm -hmm. their status a little bit more. And all of a sudden, you're Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. Right, right. right. You know, um, and it isn't a matter of what I like or don't like or mm -hmm. whatever the relative quality is. You can mm -hmm. argue those merits elsewhere. It's literally a business model. Mm -hmm. If you can guarantee for a small amount of money, and this is, it works for books, it works for film, it works for mm -hmm. music. If you can guarantee this many asses in the seats mm -hmm. for this amount of money that I'm going to put in to back you mm -hmm. for this kind of return after you put the product out. Mm -hmm. Yes, let's be in business. Yeah. They do not care what the business is. I, I agree with that. Right? That's all so I agree with, with that. So with independent books, I always encourage people to do it, but I always encourage them to do it smart. If you're in it as a hobby, then I suggest just doing fanfic and having a good time. If you're doing it for serious, then like I said, don't do your own book covers mm -hmm. unless you are really that skilled. I hired a book person to do my book cover. My girl, Selena Hernandez, she's great. This is what I'm saying, though. And yes. there are people just like you out there who want to do that. Yeah. So there's a mutual thing. They're not going to yeah. be pricing themselves out. Right. They want to do what you want to do on mm -hmm. their side, mm -hmm. right? Uh, if you can afford it, there are a couple of freelance editors. Most of them are crappy and trying to take your yeah, money. But there's a, there's a company called Otherworld Editorial that I know for sure is really great and okay. cost-effective. Okay. Um, it doesn't hurt to have a pro who doesn't care. Oh, I agree. Right. Right? Look, Look at, at your it. stuff. Sure, why and, not? But... Always make sure it's someone who's really done it. The guys at right. Otherworld Editorial have really, actually, really done it. Okay. They've really been pro editors, whereas anyone can set up and go, I'm an editor. Yeah, Pay right. me a lot of money yeah, to right. bet your book. Don't do that. Yeah. They're just yanking you, man. Yeah. Um, so that part of it is rough, too. Okay. But largely, um, like I said, they should not be adversarial. Uh, traditional publishing has a stack of gatekeepers. Indie publishing has zero gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. the, indie, the traditional publishers would call it quality control. Oh, okay. I call it status control, um, but uh, right. you know it's their house. They built right, it. Right. I'm not mad at them. So I, I'm so like I'm like you. I like to have my hands do my own. I do stuff for advertisers, stuff for my own. And I, I just, it's right. just I like to, it just it's all it all works together for me. Right. Yes. And plus, it makes you look like you have real street cred, mm -hmm. right? Because on one side, the people who value the traditional publishing, you have traditional publishing, mm -hmm. and on the other people, are like, oh man, he just got probably got the hookup from somebody talking to somebody and somebody. Mm -hmm. blah, blah. Well, that's true. But here I am down in the dirt with you guys. Go read that stuff mm -hmm. and tell me if there's a quality difference. I like that. Uh, Marissa, can you put the one picture up I have? It's uh, -oh. uh, for speaking of books. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, this is when you did when you were part of the Star Trek Titan series. Yeah, baby. And there it is, the Sword of Democles. That's my baby from 2007. It was part. It was it, the series took after the 2002 film Nemesis, Star That's Trek correct. Nemesis, and That's so correct. you wrote this actual book. Yep. And let's talk about that and how how, um, how did it come to your orbit and how in you know how was that? Okay, let me try to do this short one because we always <laughs> run out of time. I know. Um, you have so many good stories, a lot. Okay, I quit acting. Everything sucked. Um, <laughs> yeah. I tried to do a bunch of other stuff. And I sucked at all of it. Okay. I tried to break into Hollywood. I did all yes. kinds of outlandish craziness to try to break in. And I would get meetings, but I would not really get purchased. And I was on the edge of giving up. And my wife was like, well, you write prose, too. Maybe you should try these magazines and stuff. And I'm like, they don't really pay. You know, because they don't. Yeah, like, you can't yeah. live off them unless you're, like, amazing. Yeah, right? And, sure. You know, maybe I'm not amazing. Maybe I'm just pretty good. <laughs> you know? But whatever. I was like, all right, honey, maybe. But I don't even know how to start. And literally, I went to my comic book shop and... Uh, my friend who worked, my friend Mason at the, behind the counter was like, well, I mean, you know Star Trek. 
you know, want to try to do one of those. And I was like, how am I breaking into writing Star Trek? I can yeah. barely get a, a meeting at the Star Trek offices, right? And he's like, oh, no, dude, they have these contest books. And st-. I'm like, contest books? <laughs> what do you mean? They still make those books? You know, and he's like, just go look. Maybe you'll like one. And he mentioned that Peter David, who was a, I was a fan of as a comic book writer, also wrote Star Trek books. I'm like, Peter David writes Star Trek books? <laughs> All right, let me rush off to Barnes & Noble, yeah. right? And I found some really good books written by Peter David called, the, um, I think, The New Frontier, where he had given him his own characters and his own ship wow. to just go over there and do whatever you want. Wow. And it, it's, it's it, I checked out at like book six or seven because Peter's sense of humor sometimes <laughs> works my nerves. <laughs> yes. But I was deep in it. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, right next to it or near to it on the shelf was this thing called Strange New Worlds, which was an open and open competition. Anyone could get in. And it was basically their farm team. They were like, wow. they didn't advertise it this way, but they're like, if you win this contest, we're giving you a professional contract. You're going to get royalties. Wow. Um, <laughs> Talk no. about that for a second. There's, there's no royalties. There's, yes. never, there's, no, there's no such thing as the back end. Whatever they tell you, yeah, 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 whatever yeah. money you actually see, that's the money you're getting. Oh, um, my God. Okay. <laughs> it's not their fault. It's just the way it works. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, so you get into the competition, and if you're lucky enough to be in the book, or God forbid, in the upper deck, the, the bronze, gold, or silver medalists, mm-hmm. then you have access to at least one one um, editor. Wow. Uh, and also there, I, I will say this, I found the community of writers, maybe it's just media tie-in writers, but all the writers I met were cut above 100% of the actors I'd ever met. Wow. There was no backstabbing, there was no backbiting, wow. they were just helpful, no one considered anyone else a threat. Maybe they did secretly behind their... Yeah, but you never saw it. Everyone I asked for advice just gave it to me. Everyone I was like, look, I did well. Oh, so I did well. The first the first year I, I submitted, I didn't get in, um, They but the editor wrote me a note like, I want to see four more from you, this was almost... Wow. Right? Which is the best kind of yeah. rejection you're ever going to no, get. Yeah, totally. Oh, right? my God. It's most... kind of rejection, but kind of isn't. It's oh, like, dude, it's... I lived on that for a year. <laughs> like, a year. And when he said, I want to see a couple more, I sent him, like, five or six more stories. <laughs> and I got the silver medal. Okay. Um, rejected all of them except the one that got That's in the so book. so funny. And I got the silver medal. Okay. And so by that time, I'd sort of talked to there as the previous winners. Some people had three-peated, and they had a little bit of status oh, yeah. or whatever. And I, I'm not shy. I will hit up any writer that I think is good. Yeah. Uh, now they have Twitter, so I don't have to go through this. Oh, sh- yeah, not Twitter. Yeah. You oh, my it. God. The shenanigans I had to go through back then <laughs> to get a hold of a writer on the web. I can oh, only imagine. Like, but I, I did it. Yeah, okay. He found a way, folks. I found a way. He found a way. Um, And I contacted this guy called Dayton Ward, who was a three-peater and was now writing Star Trek books officially. And I said, look, you know, I don't want it to just fizzle out. I'd like to... uh you know, I like to talk to an editor, mm-hmm. but I don't want to just like come out of the blue. They don't know me. It's like, dude, you got a silver medalist. One hundred percent of the redder, the editors read that wow. story, okay. even if they didn't vote on it, because this is the farm team. Yeah, right. Okay. So I was like, well, who should I hit up? And he said, hit up this guy Marco Palmieri, who ended up being my editor. And he said, just remember, you're not really a writer with them yet. You're you're trying to be. Okay. And he's got a lot of stuff on his desk. So if he'll get back to you right away, say yes, I got the email. But after that, oh, okay. it'll be a while. Okay. In the meantime, keep going. But they told you that. I mean, that place don't even tell you that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, that's, good. that's what I mean. Like, the, all the writers I talked to, and then in the meantime, one of the editors of the book, he opened, like, there was once upon a time, there was this thing called AOL. <laughs> yes. Um, people called that the internet when it really wasn't, but yes. people thought it was yeah, the internet. Right. Um, and, but they had these little places, these little forums, and he just opened up a, a master class. Uh, and he was like, I'm not going to read your crap. Don't even send me your stuff because you must be crazy. <laughs> but if you ask me questions that are writer questions, mm-hmm. I will tell you the truth. Yeah. So for a summer, a bunch of us, voice, voiceless faces, faceless voices, were asking him every question. And then he upped my game. And it wasn't like you became a better writer. You became a more efficient writer. Mm, right? okay. You didn't waste your time with stuff. Okay. Um, so after that, I started trying other magazines. Uh, blah blah blah, but this is a Star Trek based show right now. So yeah. uh, I hit up Marco, and Marco called me up one day out of nowhere because I thought they'd forgotten about me, and I sort of moved on because you have to. You have to. Yeah. And he's like, "Look, someone dropped out of an anthology. Uh, would you like the slot?" And I was like, "Why are you asking stupid questions?" <laughs> yes. You, know? oh, you say no. Well, yeah. nah, that's fine. And he's I'll like, pass. "Well, you have to. It's a Deep Space Nine. It was the big Deep Space Nine anniversary okay. one." And I was like. I really didn't like Deep Space Nine that much. Oh my god! At the time, now, dude, Look back when I went and did yeah. my research and yeah. had to dig in to write this story, yeah. 
Top shelf. That's the best yeah. Star Trek. Holy God. I have another friend who believes the same thing. Holy crap. They Deep show Space repeats on, online. I was, we were watching some, and I usually feel like that's the best one. Oh, my God. I lost my I was like, I was going to go back in time and kick myself for not loving it. But so I did that. Um, and there's a whole there's a whole separate story about yeah. how I almost screwed that job up because okay. I got nervous and I tried to do something clever because mm. I, I, I suddenly didn't like the manuscript I'd written. So basically mm. one week and one night, I was like, that was crap. I'm going to do a better one. And I'm going to send that in. So something that took me three weeks to write, I wrote overnight a brand new one of the same word count. I basically started at wow. 6 a.m. Well, it sounds great. I turned it in, and Marco wrote back like, Jeff, um, what the hell is this? <laughs> This like looked like you were drunk or high or like whatever. Did you write this and like how long did it take you to write this? Right, and I was like, oh, well, I happen to have this other one that was the one we've been discussing. He's like, why would you not send me the one? So I sent that. He's like, see, now this is a story. This is good, right? And he liked it enough that I got to be, do the Voyager one, the yeah. Voyager anniversary one, which was actually at the time a show I had a real affinity for because I just loved the Bellana Torres character. Okay. Um, not that I didn't love Seven of Nine, but oh, I Oh, Seven loved, of Nine, Jerry I Ryan. Loved, I loved, loved, loved Roxanne Dawson's depiction yeah. of, uh, yeah. of, uh, of uh, Bellana. So I wrote a Bellana story for that. Okay. And he said, look... Um, we're doing this new thing where Riker gets his own command. You got some ideas. I want to hear some pitches. Wow. So I pitch up a bunch of stuff. And what generally happens with me with any pitches, um, the public never sees this, but the people I pitch to who liked whatever they read and then yeah. they bring me in. And then I start pitching. They're like, are you crazy? <laughs> are you actually crazy? We're not doing any of that. Something normal. Pitch us something normal. Right? And so yeah. then I'll pitch them that. And they're like, see, that? why didn't you start with That's that? That's so funny. Um, so that ended up being sort of uh, Damocles. I was going to call it Shroud of Damocles. Ooh, okay. but Marco was like, "It's sort of Damocles." Jeff, yeah. stop, stop. No, just write the book. <laughs> um, and it was really fun because it, it opened it up. Um, one of the fun things about writing novels, especially, is there's no budget. Yeah. Right. You can say in words anything. A yeah. war, a planet can blow up. You know, just anything. Mm. So we got to do sort of old school Star Trek missions. We wanted to get like one of the things that's weird about um, Star Trek is there is a small contingent of Star Trek fans. I don't think they are the dominant group. Who think it's about like the space fights, and, oh. uh, like where the Enterprise, who the Enterprise can beat, and yeah. what, you know. And I'm like, it's called Star Trek. Yeah. Star Wars is that other property <laughs> where that's what it's about. Right. It's right in the title. It sure is. Hello. Right? Which I love Star Wars too. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't want Star Trek to be Star Wars. No. Right. Like occasionally they should have conflict because they run up against something. Yeah. But that's not why it was created. That's it's about not, the trekking. Right. It's about interacting with things and trying not to murder them. Yes. And not get murdered by them, yes. but not murder them. Mm-hmm. Right. So this was the and also the Riker character, uh, played by the lovely Jonathan Frakes, who's yeah. I wouldn't say he's a friend of mine, but he's a, a friendly acquaintance, and thank God I got to meet him because he was great. But um, his wife is Laura on General Hospital, Jean <laughs> Francis. Yes, love them. I love Jonathan Freaks. Aww. He's awesome. Um, I got hugged by Riker, and it like made my year. Um, he's also a good director, so he does. A, he does. That's how I know him. He's yeah. a damn fine director. Yeah, okay, so we got these adventures. Um, his he and the characters Troy and Riker are married. Okay. He gets his own ship, and there's little characters that they had that have been peppered out through other books that we okay. made into the crew. Plus, it's the most diverse, alien diverse crew ever. Okay. Because on TV, you don't have budgets for like a giant crystal spider that runs, <laughs> you know, your uh, communications or whatever. Or, yeah. You know, the fish chick that can only exist in water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can't do it. Now, you did number, it was number four in the series, right? Yes. The first two were really one long story. So you had to kind of incorporate some of the older characters. Did you have to or no? Um, no, we were left to our own okay. devices. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to bring in Tuvok. Okay. Um, and obviously we had Riker and Troy, but my novel really deals with the other characters. They are largely background characters in that. Okay. Because I really wanted to focus on all these fun new... Yeah, yeah. If you're going to have all these aliens, let's meet some. Yeah, so what's going on, yeah. So I that's like what that. it was. And I got to talk a little bit about faith and how it works in the Star Trek universe. Not that I was the first one to ever do right, that. Right, I know, right, right. But I got to talk about it in a kind of time... Like, I think Star Trek should be about the audience. And at the time, there was a lot of, like, fundamental Americanism. Christianity versus basically everyone else, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was like, "Can we all just get along, folks? There's no reason for this. You're gonna be blowing up no clinics, man. Stop <laughs> it. It's none of your business. That's just if you don't want to have, you want people to have babies, yes. have some babies. Yes. If you like lots of babies, go make some. <laughs> it's very simple. Like you don't need to be messing with people. Uh, people well, we're done for years. Of what? Stuff. Oh, no. Hey, bite your tongue too. <laughs> 
too. I'm just sipping my tea right now. <laughs> That's all I'm saying about bite that. Your but yeah, so we all, and also Marco was very much an editor who liked the writers to have their own voices. Okay. So okay. mine is different in style than mm-hmm. the other books that came before and after it. Some okay. people really like it, and some people are like, what the hell does this guy think he is? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and he really was a really good editor because instead of saying, this is how Star Trek books are written, his vibe was, how do we get the best version of your book out of you? I like that. Right? And so I'm quite proud of it. Um, uh, it definitely is divisive. Okay. Um, the style, the prose style is not your normal sort of action, fast action thing. Okay. I tried to write a novel. I'm like, okay. Um, nothing against that because yeah. I also write that style yeah, too. Yeah, you do. You do but for know. that book... That particular book, I wanted, it felt it felt it needed. It's a sea voyage. That's, okay. it's, you know, Star Trek is basically a giant ocean voyage. Yeah, makes sense. Makes so sense. I wanted to do some sort of master and commander type. But stuff. was there any reservation though? Because you know, it's it's a it's a, a known name entity mm-hmm. you're coming into, and this is not the first time you've, you've dealt with that before. Other things too. Sure. Just that it was it like okay, I gotta make sure I really don't really fuck this up. Or, um. Or well, just here's like... the thing: the Star Trek fandom is probably, and this is not me because I'm part of it. Mm-hmm. It's the best fandom. Um, It is the most flexible. It is the least aggressive. Uh, There have been Star Trek conventions going on since the 70s. Yeah, the Trekkies, I saw that there. I think if one has has had this happen, it has happened so recently that I don't know about it, Hmm. never been a crime committed in or around one. Oh, wow. No okay. one has come screaming out of one. Nobody's okay. been fondled secretly. <laughs> like, it's it's just a bunch of people who yeah. get this thing yeah. and get together about it. And they enjoy themselves. All right. And and the vibe behind the scenes has largely been that way as well. So, yeah, there's a slightly different Star Trek in my head than might be in your head, but that's what my editor's for. Yeah. So there were things I did that he was like, no, Jeff. No, no, no. Yeah. You know, or, like, for instance, in my short story... <laughs> I wrote a version where one of the ways a person got out of a trap was to have sex with multiple partners. Oh. Um, because of the nature of the trap yeah. and the nature of the person and the people that... Okay. And they were holograms anyway, so it oh, wasn't okay. really sex. And he was like, are you crazy? <laughs> That's not happening. you got to rewrite that section. <laughs> Anything else, Jeffrey? You know? <laughs> and I was like, what, Marco? He's like, don't just stop talking. Go rewrite it. I love you it. Know? I love it. Um, and, but that's the thing. If you don't push, it's fine when they push right. back. Right. Because you need a little bit of friction coming the other way sometimes. And I think I got a better novel out of it, frankly. I like that. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, but in terms of am I going to break the toy, yeah. it fired me before they let yeah, anyone I'm break sure. the toy. That makes sense. But that, that brand, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, side note, uh, Nichelle Nichols uh, recently was on Young and the Restless and played an amazing character. She was an alcoholic what? who was dying. I can't picture and that. And she, she was the bar. She looked beautiful. Though. First of all, I'm like, for an alcoholic, that was like, you know, yeah, she's like, she's whatever. She's the finest alcoholic yeah, she in was. history. Hair done. It's like, whatever. Um, I, I had to laugh about that. But Christoph St. John, who's been on... Oh, that guy. He's yeah. a killer. And he's been on forever. He played, She played his mother. Aww. And they brought him on. It was a beautiful scene. She died. But it came, they both were alcoholics. Came to terms with that. It was a really, it was really serious, like... What's going on with these soap operas, man? That's like Michelle Nichols, though. I was like, you go, girl. Like, what? she actually could act her ass off. Yeah, actually, no. I mean, she's... she's a, All of them were good actors. Yeah, yeah, They're really right. actually acting right. actors. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, that was that. Okay, that's kind of fun. And I felt like... Here's a weird thing about publishing it. I don't agree with this. I think it's okay. actually horseshit, and I've gotten into almost fistfights about it Ooh, okay. with, with snobby people. Okay. Media tie-in fiction, which is any book that's written off of a show or movie you mm-hmm. like, that comes after the show. Like, okay. James Bond predates the movies, okay. so those are not media tie-in books. They right. kind of straddle because now yeah, the do. author's dead yeah. and yeah. whatever. But prior to that, they were books. Mm-hmm. But all the Star Trek books are media tie-in. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, if there's books about Alias, I'm sure there were. Mm-hmm. Batman, anything. Oh, like yeah. That. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, quote-unquote, real writers like to think that they're better writers than the people <laughs> who do that. And, and and backstage, there's a little bit of a stigma where it's sometimes hard to get out of that, where mm-hmm. you find if you write too many of them that there's a there's a snobbishness that prevents you from breaking out. They're like, oh, they're one of those kind of people. Because they think all the work's been done for you. The world-building work has been done uh, for you. okay. But yeah. it's horseshit. There's a, a lady who, uh, Margaret Wander Bonanno, wrote a Star Trek book. I think it was called Burning Dreams. And it was about the Christopher Pike character, who was the character who was captain before Kirk. Oh, wow. Who was in the wheelchair and yeah. all that stuff. And it sort of told his life story. Uh-huh. If it had not been a Star Trek book, like if you just changed all the names, mm-hmm. it was a rock solid, really wow. good science fiction story. Wow. Like wow. just rock solid. Yeah. But 
everybody or a lot of people I think need this they need the hierarchy in their own mind it's like a lot right. better at least I'm better than them and yeah. I'm like really again let us have some random third person yes have us yes. go write some stories together we'll take our names off them and then let a random selection yeah, of people the, be the judge choose. and I will stand by it but it. people's egos are so invested in that hierarchical mm-hmm. crap that just don't step to me with it because I'll bury your ass. Yeah, you tell uh, me. And I have a lot of friends who work and are, tra- I wouldn't say trapped. They make reasonable livings at mm-hmm. it. But, I mean, yes, as much as I love Star Trek, I don't want to spend my whole life writing Star Trek. Yeah. Only. Right, no, right, right. Right. right? Yeah, so um, I, I wrote the novel. Uh, there was a sort of a regime change at the publishing company. The, the two or three editors that I knew and my primary editor were out. And I was like, maybe that's a signal to move on. Yeah. Right. I mean, I pitched one more book um, in okay. the Titan series, and they were like, "That's crazy. We're not doing it." Um, I was like, "That is Come on, it's beautiful." No, so it was horror, Cthulhu. And I was like, "No, we're not doing that, Jeff." No. Um, um, so yeah, so that was the end of my Star Trek prose career. Unless yeah. they want me to come do it again, yeah. I would probably do it if they asked me to. Um, and uh, I tried. Many times to sell things to the... Oh, I was in the... Literally selling a story, getting the job to write a freelance script for Star Trek Enterprise. They got canceled while I was on the phone with them. Oh, jeez. That's the third time that's... I'm like a show killer. (laughs) Like, I was literally on the phone with someone and like, wait a minute, hold on. I got to call you back. And they didn't call me back. And then I found out from my... Oh, they got canceled. Oh, that's so... And I was like, what? Yes. They were buying... Couldn't they have get canceled next week? Right, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> then they'd owe me the money. Oh, right? God. Oh, man. Well, you know there's a new Star Trek coming out. Yeah. I, and I, nobody called. My phone didn't ring. Okay. Whatever, Brian. Yeah. Whatever, Brian. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious how it's going to be. I'm, I'm going to watch the first one. I'm going to watch the first I one. I mean, Brian Fuller is a fantastic writer. Yeah. Uh, I presume he's assembled a fantastic team of... Yeah other fantastic writers uh, he's definitely got his Star Trek Street cred he's worked on the series mm-hmm. he knows this stuff yeah um, but we have to wait and see what was, yeah. what was ultimately delivered yeah. like I said everyone has a slightly different Star Trek in their head mm-hmm. and it might be really good but a lot of people might say it's not Star Trek like they tried to do with J.J. Yeah. Uh, Abrams oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know, yeah and I was like no that's Star Trek y'all that's Star Trek it's Star Trek it's straight it wasn't happy with all of them but it was Star Trek <laughs> But it was, but it was Star Trek. To me, it was still. They the, took it, pains to say this is an alternate universe. Yes. The other, everything you love is still yes, true. Yes, right. You're fine. Yes. I'm not trying to hurt your little toys. <laughs> okay. And people, a lot of people still wouldn't give them that. Yeah. You know, we need to break out, and we're definitely making sure that nothing screws this other thing. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think that that's the ugliest ever. So you like the Star Trek movies, the new sets, uh, the three? I'm not mad at them. Okay. Um, okay. I think the last one. Where hip hop literally saved the day. I Don't know. put your head down. That's what I love. Oh my I god! Loved it. I loved it. <laughs> like, oh my, oh. Literally, hip hop saved the day. <laughs> yeah, dude, I Come guess. on, man. You gotta love that. Oh Ten god. minutes. We haven't barely talked about anything. I was like, very embarrassed about anything. All right, but yeah, I think I think it's all Star Trek. I think it's all yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, no, all no, I, no, I agree with that. I said no. It was it was Star, it was it was Star Trek, but it's just like I just felt I just, I wasn't happy with. I, I love the first one. The other two were just kind of like. I still go see where they come out. I, I see think them. the second one, Into Darkness, um, it suffered from. Hmm, they missed. They made a fundamental f- error at the earliest part of making that film. You can't use Khan until you've already introduced Khan. But that movie, if they had not called him Khan, if they'd never even put floated that out to see if the if it just not been Khan, if it had been any other thing and a little slightly different MacGuffin, that would have been a rock solid intro, uh, a, a chapter in the big yeah. Star Trek universe. Well, you know, my big problem is it's a reoccurring problem for me okay. is is Kirk. And his waffling back and forth. Do you want to be a, be a captain or not? I don't want to be a captain. Well, we you solved that problem in number three. Yeah, so I'm saying, but I'm saying it took the, the it, it got on my nerves after a while. Sure, each, each, every, because every movie, right? Right, right. But so every movie, it's like, yeah, didn't you decide already? He, you know, he's a bad boy with a motorcycle. He's got he's got a life he could be living out there. I'm gonna be trapped in this bucket with you all. I got women to see. I got planets to visit without oversight. Come on, make a make a decision. Just make a, a decision. So yeah, so I mean, that's my only problem. With but that. see, that's kind of argument that we're having about that yeah. that's just talking about a story yeah so, so from my point of view that that almost in a weird way confirms that it's really star trek yeah yeah so yeah so i did that um <laughs> oh, so then i was bitching about not selling something in a room and, and this guy oh that's another side of the story a guy i'd worked with before um calls me up out of the blue and says um 
We're going to the singer pits because you wanted to talk. About it. We'll be briefly can get there briefly. I mean, I know okay. it's like yes. Uh, basically, I was offered a job. Yes. Uh, a guy heard me bitching about stuff, and he was like, "He seen me in my comic book shop, and if you ever saw me in my comic book shop, the idea that I that anyone pays me to do anything, <laughs> you'd be like, what?" But, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> uh, that's a grown man arguing about four. <laughs> like, what? what the hell? Someone pays you to do something? You should be in an asylum. You know? But um, so he had no, no contact with me other than that. And yeah. I was really upset. Something had gone badly that day. And I said, How come writers don't help each other? Right? Hollywood. Yeah. And he's like, I'm a Hollywood writer and I'll, I help other writers. What's your, what's your thing? And I was like, Look, dude, I'm not the one for this today. Don't give me that. <laughs> Uh, and he said, I'm so-and-so, and I did this, and I did this. And I was like, well, I, what have you done to make sure, you know, because, you know. And I said, well, I've written all this stuff, and I've written some Star Trek stuff. And he's like, oh, I'm Star Trek fan number one. Oh. I own 100% of every Star Trek book that has been made ever. Dang. I don't like them all, but okay. I have a complete collection of everything. Okay. And I was like, I are you trying to back me off? Yeah. Go home, look for these titles, yeah. you will find my name. Yeah, if you have every single right? one, yeah. And when you read them, you'll go, damn, that guy can write. <laughs> okay. And I was mad, so I wasn't having it that yeah, day. Yeah, so yeah. he went off to whatever he did. And then weeks later, literally weeks later, um, he runs up on me and he's like, Jeff Thorne. And I turn around, it's this guy, and I barely remember, right? He's like, I read that book. <laughs> You really did write those books. And I was like, I told you I wrote those books. Yes. And he's like, but he, I wrote those books. You wrote those books. And I was like, yes, I told you I wrote those books. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I can't believe you wrote okay, those okay. books. And I was like, what, because you see me once a week in a comic book? So right, you better right. get a grip. And he's like, well, look, uh, this is, again, a long, very long story shorter. He said, look, um, Brian Singer, Brian Fuller, Chris McQuarrie. Wow. Uh, basically the usual suspects. Guys. Yeah, all these names. I know, uh, yes. They are wanting to take a run at... Uh, Star Trek because it's up for grabs right now and we know J.J. Abrams wants to go in and Brian loves Star Trek and he wants to go at it but he's busy making these movies and he doesn't really have the time and Chris is busy and Chris, other Chris is busy I had dinner with them last night and I, I brought your name up because I really loved your writing wow. and your take on the Star Trek universe and blah 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 and I was like well, this all sounds really good what's in it for Jeff you know I'm not like free right like this work what you're describing well, as much yeah. as i love to do it yeah all the things you're talking about people paid me to do mm -hmm. right and he's like okay well um tell you what you do all this and when the show gets made if it gets made you're on staff which every writer wants to be on yeah, staff of course and you won't come in as a staff writer you'll come in as like a story editor or above okay and okay. uh and that will be the quid pro quo and okay. i was like at that time i was a broke desperate writer uh, sound like an open door. I, mm -hmm. I know and love Star Trek. It was easy for me yeah. to write. So I dug in and I created what is known widely as the singer pitch. It's not the singer pitch. It's the thorn pitch. <laughs> um, uh, I, and the job was basically keep that a secret. It's almost like a ghost job. But since no money exchanged hands yeah. and their half was hire Jeff. Yeah. Jeff did not get hired. Yeah. So Jeff can now talk about yeah. the fact that I wrote it. I wrote yeah. the whole thing. There was no influence. They were all busy. Um, what's his name? Uh, Brian Singer's only admonition was uh, make it hot, make it Star Trek. Okay. And I was like, done, sir. Done. You know? Yeah. And then my one criticism that I got back from Brian was because I introduced a species, the cat, these cat people, because okay. everyone from the cartoons is like, we're all our cat people. <laughs> and I was like, I got gotcha. you. You know, yeah, yeah. So I introduced that, and he's like, "Really, a cat lady?" And I was like, "Yes, really, Brian. Come That's on, right. yeah, really. You told me to make it Star Trek. I'm making it Star Trek as hell. Yes, <laughs> right." <laughs> and I wrote what ended up being called Federation. I wrote the Bible for it. I okay. laid out the first season, all the new characters. Wow. Uh, there was one, and there were two things that we sort of sort of beefed about me and the guy who um, brought me in, which was uh, he wanted. Um, I wanted the ship's computer to be basically an intelligent computer okay. and be named Majel, M-A-M okay. after Majel Barrett, Roddenberry. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's like, oh, come on, Jeff. And uh, so that probably wouldn't have made it to the final cut. Okay. And he was very strong about, we want this character to be named Kirk. And I was okay. like, we have a Captain Kirk. Right. I don't know that that's a good plan. Like, his name is Kirk. And I was like, oh, oh cool. Cool. Okay, you so, say so those are the two things. Michael Kuda came in and did the designs. Oh, we wow. had a really weird ship, and uh, I wanted to come and I wanted it. I think Star Trek's best when it's about the audience. I think when it's mm -hmm. about itself, it sucks. Yeah, um, I don't care about all the minutia of yeah. you know why did the trail look different when they were first introduced and now they look this way because mm -hmm. we like them and want to use them again. I don't care about that. I want Star yeah. Trek to be about the audience and how people, how people's lives are in the real world, so that 
it's an interactive thing. Yeah. So I basically looked at what was happening in the world at the time, and I was like, that's kind of what happened to Star Trek. All right. And I came up with a scenario where it's a few hundred years in the future, but all the tech was basically the same because there hadn't been any advances. Okay. The idea was, what happens after you win all your wars and you have paradise? Well, if you don't have something pushing you, you don't invent uh, stuff. Oh, yes. Right? Okay, that's you true. You need friction. Yes. So it wasn't a situation that was in decline. It was, it just stopped. It stopped. We won. Yeah. We, we beat all our enemies. <laughs> right, so that's it. Right, We beat or absorbed all yeah. of our yeah, enemies. No, yeah, so yeah, we're yeah. just chilling. Yeah. And what was left was kinds of weird little ethnic conflicts, okay. uh, monetary things. Okay. I mean, we can get it, we can do a whole show just about Federation. Okay, Where well. we talking to the, the, how different species mutated going mm-hmm. forward. I turned the Klingon basically into samurai. They were no oh, longer right. these like roving brawlers. Okay. They were more like mystic warriors. Um, the Romulans and the Vulcans got together and they had really unified and wow. become a unified species. Okay. Uh, the Bajorans had retreated to Bajor. Okay. Uh, and were letting all of their business be handled by the Ferengi. No. Who had turned, okay. traveled to Bajor, okay. spiritual travel, yeah. into the biggest business in the oh, galaxy. That's so funny. Um, and the Cardassians were just part of the crew. They were not. Oh, they, no. They had had a, a reformation and they were like outside of Bajor, the deepest Bajoran philosophers. Wow. Right, the Bajoran religion had swept through Cardassia, yeah. and they were like deeply, deeply yeah. faithful wow. to okay. the prophets. Okay, um, and then I wanted to get into it. Doesn't matter. Um, so then this other enemy comes about, and it sort of brings all the tensions that are up. People are leaving the Federation because yeah. they're like, "Well, what do we need it for? We all love each other. Yeah. We don't really need this governmental body anymore." Yeah. And humans, and there was an incident that happened where humans rescued a human settlement, a human colony. Mm-hmm. Rather than well, it wasn't really rather than they went to whoever's closest, okay, that who could actually get saved. Yeah. But like a few parsecs away was the one that was primarily non-human aliens, yeah. and they didn't save them, and they all died. Right. So people were like, "Well, you guys prefer people that look like you, and we're kind of sick oh, of this, okay. and we don't really need it." So we're going to back out. And this one admiral was like, "We can't do this. We just these people just resurface. No one will believe that it, yeah. they would believe her." Yeah. So she secretly she develop she diverts government funds to build a state of the art enterprise, oh, wow. and then she peoples it with people that she knows are going to be loyal yeah. to this real mission of Star Trek, wow. right? But she sells it like we need unity. We need uh, to have a flagship that flies around yeah. the Federation and like you know just tells people yeah. join the Federation and stay oh, in the Federation, God, yes. right? And meanwhile, we'll be conducting this investigation. Yeah. Of course, all this falls apart. Yeah. There's the one guy who survived the original event yeah. who's like a f- sheriff. He's a drunk okay. sheriff. Yeah. They've shanghai him to make yeah. him be part of the crew because yeah. he's the only survivor. Okay. Right? And the plan was, at the time, the plan was um, we are going to hire some big-name actor and float the thing out that this guy or lady was going to be the captain. Okay. Right? And I mean somebody like, oh, damn, it's Liam Neeson. Yeah, they got Liam yeah, Neeson. Yeah, yeah. Episode four, he gets killed. Okay. And then the guy who's his number two... Our Kirk gets promoted to captain. But it would only have worked if you did not leak that, where you had to go, um, what? Yeah, like soccer. um, One of the characters was, well, what happens once you integrate the Borg? Our doctor was basically a future version of Borg, not part of the thing. And she would... She could heal you, but it would cost her life points, basically. Oh, wow. Okay. So she couldn't always just, like, reach into you and yeah. fix stuff because it would cost her. Yeah. But she was also the greatest doctor ever. I'm sorry. I have to cut you off there. It's just that we just, we had, it's like, we're going to have to talk. We, you're coming back anyway. All right. You're coming back anyway. Let's do part two. Let's just call it part we'll two. Call Star part Trek two. part two. Star Trek part two. If you have more time, I have more on the list. Into the darkness. Into the darkness. <laughs> Tell folks where they can find you. Um, <laughs> you can find me at JeffreyThorn.com. You can find me at Game of Thorns on Twitter. Um, I float around on uh, Facebook with my own name or Dreamnasium. Um, yeah, that's it. He said he's on he's on social media. So especially on Twitter, yeah. he's on Twitter. Folks. I live on Twitter. He, he but don't start nothing. Don't start be, anything. Don't start anything. That's right. Thanks for being on the show. Of course, I love it. And I love it too. We I need love two it. hours. Yes, breaking into Facebook page, James Lott Jr. on all social media platforms, Black Hollywood Live. You can find us everywhere. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.